This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Before you mash that fast forward button to move to the beginning of today's episode, I'd like to quickly tell you about some ways you can support the show and everything that I'm doing right now. You can support the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Again, just go on over to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Become a patron for as little as $5 a month. Or you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. It's incredibly important with the way iTunes works. So if you have a second, please leave a rating and or review and subscribe on iTunes. Uh, you can listen to the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcast, you can check out chasethomaspodcast.com. That is on my previous episode, a link to my newsletter, and all my articles that I've written. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at chase double underscore Thomas. You can like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer, or you can just tell a friend you found this independent sports podcast that they should check out too. Thank you for listening. You're all the best. And I think we've reached the point in this intro where my uncle Darren can play me in. All right, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to the Chase Thomas podcast. We're recording this on a Thursday evening, and on the line right now, Andrew Ivans of. 247sports.com, who covers the Miami Hurricanes, who are relevant again. Uh, it's a post-Al Golden era. It's the Mark Rick era. Things are good in Miami again. And I just, I have a lot of questions about Miami and them being back in the top 10. It, it feels right, but it's also weird because I have a lot of thoughts on Mark Rick. But um, we're going to figure all that out. We're going to parse it all out. Andrew, good evening. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm, I'm doing good. Just trudging along here here this week how excited are you for football season to start back well i'm watching preseason tonight so that does not count <laughs> I watched to... zero. Yeah. I, i'm not watching any of it i don't care i don't know how people are doing this to themselves i'm not like the whole football is back stuff is actually driving me insane because it's not this is not football this is not the real thing exhibition games do nothing for me i will watch exactly zero minutes of preseason i will not do this i don't understand it you know, I, I, I'm not gonna say it's a bad take. I, I think what what gets me to it is if you watch a lot of college football, then the preseason's for you, just because you see all these like former college stars, and you're like, oh wait, I remember that guy from like three years ago. Where did he go to school again? And I don't know. Give I mean, me an you're example. Right. It's, it's bad football. Who have you seen tonight? Uh, where you're like, oh yeah, that guy. Uh, I was, I was who, who texted me? Oh, I can't remember. I, just just a variety of guys. I mean, I like watching all the Miami guys. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, you like to get hyped up about Baker Mayfield. And, I love Baker. And at the same time, you're, at the same time, you're like, well, Deshaun Kaiser looked pretty good last year in the preseason. Did he? I, I didn't. That know was. I, <laughs> yeah, that did not turn out as well. Yeah. 
Exactly, exactly. So you can't put any stock into this at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. Have you watched any of it? Are the Pats playing tonight? I feel like I don't even know if the Patriots are playing tonight. So your guy, Braxton Berrios, who the next Julian Edelman in New England, um, is he playing tonight? Is he is he on the run? Yeah, yeah I, I, yeah, I think the Patriots did play. I, I haven't been watching them, though. It's funny, though. You know, like the biggest running joke with the Miami media, like all last year. Uh-huh. Was up oh, there's Braxton Berrios, future Bill Belichick wide receiver, <laughs> so sixth round coming. pick, and then oh yeah, and then and then when he showed up to Miami's pro day, it was like oh well we all knew this was gonna happen, and oh when they like were acquiring picks, everyone would just be tweeting they're like well they're just doing this to make sure they can get Berrios. It's just funny that he ended up there, but oh you know obviously he's a perfect system you know fit. I mean he's a guy who does just all the small things like those guys and catches the ball, so I think he's gonna do. Be great there. Do you think he knew that that was a perfect fit? When you talked to him last year, did you get the sense that he like knew that the Pats were like the perfect system for him? Oh yeah, I don't know. I think I think everyone in that Miami locker room probably joked <laughs> about that. I mean, he, he, he's a he's a, he's a, he was a cool kid. Yeah. Uh, just just to talk with and um, you know a, a real a big program guy and, and someone who loves to win. So it's just good to see him going to an organization that's going to utilize his talents and stuff like that. Who did you enjoy, enjoy talking with the most last year? At, at Miami yeah, or, at Miami. or what? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of guys. I think, uh, you know, I, I haven't been around as long as some of the guys on the beat. I, I really enjoy, uh, DJ Dallas. It's one of their, okay. I guess, freshman running backs or he was their freshman. He'd be a sophomore. I mean, I've known him since he was a recruit, and mm-hmm. I just think he's he's the perfect you know personality. He's pretty laid back, and I mean, if I was an SID or a sports information director, I would cringe every time he talked to the reporters because I think he's going to say whatever he wants. But mm-hmm. he has to be one of my favorites, and uh, you know, I, yeah, I would say him probably. How much does Thomas Brown affect this kind of stuff, though? Like he's a running back and everything else. Is Thomas Brown just like because he is the OC, right? With Mark Rick, so does he actually just talk to these guys? Is, is Miami going to quietly become our back uh, our running back? You just with uh, Thomas Brown being in the fold full time? You know, he does an excellent job of, of finding talent in that in that running back room. I mean, DJ Dallas guy I was talking about him. They they recruited him. He was a high school quarterback, and then it was like, well, we think he's probably maybe going to be defensive back. Then he starts his receiver, and all of a sudden Mark Walton gets injured week six, and they needed a running back. So, I mean, they, they had missed some, uh, a few recruits late, and bam, this kid all of a sudden, you know, he's running. I think he ran for close to 400 yards, and uh, they had a few packages for him in the bowl, in the bowl game. And now heading to this season, he's only the, you know, the, the second or third guy. So they're doing a real good job of just stacking talent. And, and it's not even at running back. I mean, you're, you're out of practice now, and it's, you look around and you're like, wow. I mean, Rick, what he's done in, in two or three years in terms of the skill position talent and the, and the guys he's brought in, I think it's starting to rival. I mean, not you know, it's not obviously what Alabama and Clemson do, but um, it's it's pretty close. I mean, they got some dudes uh, everywhere. So now when a guy gets hurt, you're not bringing in uh, maybe a three-star project. You're bringing in a guy who had a ton of big-time offers. And I think that's really the difference. And I don't know if it's going to pay off this season, but I think you know, maybe 2019 and 2020, those are going to be the years where Miami's absolutely stacked uh, across the board, at least at those skill positions. 
So Miami might be favored in every single game this fall. Like that's bizarre, but they're going to be favored in a lot of games. How weird is that for you? And do you think how weird is it for Miami fans to just like look at the schedule and have like, oh, we might go eleven and one this year? Like how weird is it? Um, just looking at the schedule and looking at the Vegas odds. It, it's a weird schedule, and you know, you know, I I'll have to admit, you know, I, you know, I follow gambling pretty closely especially the college football lines and i think you know that lsu line has gone back and forth i don't know if they're actually the uh the favorite right now but aside from that i mean the expectations are high they you know they returned malik rosier a guy um who won 10 games last year yeah you know he struggled down the stretch but um they got a lot of pieces there on defense and the schedule sets up i mean um, there, there, there's some games in there that I think are some potential trap games, but, um, Miami's favorite the play, by is, the way, against LSU. As okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's gone back and forth. I think at one time LSU was favorite, which I thought was ridiculous. I mean, yeah. that's just my opinion, I don't but know if they can it score sets enough. up good. Yeah. Yeah. It, it sets up good. Florida State's at home. Uh, the one everyone's going to circle is Virginia Tech on the road late in the season. Um, you know, but they're losing. I think they've lost like 12 guys off their defense or something like that. So I, I think Miami fans are expecting, you know, to t- kind of run the table with the schedule here. But at the same time, I mean, last year they weren't supposed to lose at Pittsburgh and they did. So they always know that, that potential hiccups there. And I think that's what has some people kind of scared it. And they play Toledo, you know, on the road. I mean, yeah. that's a, a G5 school. I mean, they're going to be crazy and last year that game was kind of close for a little bit that game I mean, was a monsoon really where it was like they it was ugly it was awful like nobody could see anything it was it was just a murky awful thing and uh logan whiteside was doing some fun stuff for toledo but yeah that game was awful i don't know if we can take too much from that game no, i'm just saying i mean you could get in these situations where it's, you you think you wake up that morning maybe it's, it's a noon start and then all of a sudden you know i think miami wanted to it's 8 p.m. And, and, and Hard Rock Stadium is packed. It's pretty hard to beat them. But when you get those noon games and, and maybe you're on the road here and there, I, I think, uh, you know, sometimes Miami's a different team. And I, I don't know if that's coaching or, or just the atmosphere or, 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 or the locker room, but I think that's, that's something you definitely got to be concerned about. Um, how would you describe the Mark Richt era thus far in Miami? If I had to put it in like a sentence or, or, or what are we doing? Like what are, so the reason I ask that is like, this is such a weird thing because Miami has gone through a cycle of guys now. And obviously the Al Golden stuff did not work. He pushed in the right direction, but Mark Rick seems like the guy who's, he's the icing on the cake for them a little bit where it was like the perfect storm where it was time for him to move on from Georgia. Miami needed something. Mark Rick, obviously being an alum was sitting there and it seems like the perfect partnership, but like, how would you describe the era of Mark Rick thus far in Miami? Is it um, like, I, I just think it's interesting because I, I think it I, all depends on expectations from the fans, from the AD, from everybody else involved. How would you describe it? I, I think, you know, he's turning it around and he's doing a lot of the right things. And, you know, I think he's got the right, assistant coaches there. I think he's got the right mentality um, when it comes to just recruiting South Florida. I mean, when you had Al Golden there, uh, you know, Al Golden would, would, would go and, you know, recruit all the, out of state and, and New Jersey. And yeah, you know, you got guys like 
David Njoku here and there. But Miami, at the end of the day, under Mark Rick, they want to win South Florida, which is exactly when, you know, Howard Schnellenberger was there. And, you know, you, you, you turn on the old, you know, uh, all about the U movies and stuff like that. I mean, that's what they want to do. And I, I think Rick uh, has brought some new energy to the program. I think he's done a good job of finding assistant coaches that, that can coach. He's also done a really good job of holding on to those guys. I mean, I think Manny Diaz is a guy that, you know, a coordinator that someone's going to make a run at for, for potentially a head coach and job at some point down the line. And that happens when, when you're successful, but uh, he kept his staff pretty much intact this past year. I mean, they got the new IPF going up. So I think what is he's the breathing uh, indoor practice. Facility. Okay. So Miami is one, one of like, the only schools in the country that didn't have one and Rick. Interesting. But, uh, that's insane I, I for think, Miami. Yeah. I mean, it's land's not, not small there. Mm-hmm. And Rick put a, a million dollars of his own money into it. Really? So I think he, yeah. Yeah. I think he's, uh, he's in it for all the right reasons. I think he's a sneaky competitor. Uh-huh. I mean, when you're around him and, and you interact with him, you know, not just in the, you know, media scrums or, or stuff like that. You're like, wait, is, is this really how he's like? Uh-huh. And, because he's just like such a genuine nice guy. And so it's it's a real like, yeah, thing. Like no matter where he is, yeah, yeah. It, it, the, what he presents yeah. to the media is the actual Mark Richt. Right, and you're like the whole time you're like, is this really it? Mm-hmm. And then you know, I think he's a, deep down he's a real fiery competitor. And you hear people inside the program say that. I, I think that's what keeps him on his edge. I mean, a lot of guys could have just walked away mm-hmm. and and sat on a lake the rest of the time. But I think he likes to win. I think he. Um, you know, likes what he does and he's taking a little step back. I mean, I think he, you know, he calls plays now, but, um, I, I think he's the right man for the job right now. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how much he would have enjoyed being on uh Lake Burton with Kirby and Dan Mullen and, uh, Rich Rodriguez and everybody else, uh, right now. Yeah. I, I just read that. Yeah. I read that story in the, in the athletic. Uh-huh. It's a great story. You have a I encourage yet. everybody to read yeah. it. Yeah. It was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, Mark Rick's name was not mentioned in that. I, I imagine that'd be a little weird. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy to like hang out with a bunch of other superstar coaches. I don't know why that is, but he doesn't give me the vibe of someone who's hanging out with um, the Sabins, the Myers, the Kirby's, the D'Antonio's, all those guys. It just doesn't seem like he's that kind of guy. No, he's like uh, the the running joke is all the guys on the, on the team, they call him pastor Rick. And that's just kind of what I call him and, <laughs> yeah. and how I view him. I mean, he's like, like I said, you're just like, is this, is this an act? Is this real? Or can you is, imagine is, Bruce is really Arians him? just throwing a beer at him? Like, how does he respond? How does Mark Rick respond? Cause that's what Bruce Arians would have done. He'd been like, all right, Mark, what do you want? Bud light. And Mark would have been like, uh, do you have club soda? Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, he, he tries to build himself as, love and paradise and everything down here in Miami. So I think he's perfectly fine on his, I mean, he was on a South beach diet, but I think that's gone, South gone down the drain. Diet. So yeah, when he first got here, he, uh, he, he like lost like 15 pounds. And it was pretty noticeable. Really? And he said he was on this like li- liquid diet. Uh-huh. I, I think it's gone. I mean, I've noticed that it's gone now. I mean, I, no one's brought it up in the media to him, but it, it's just funny. I think, He's trying to sell that that whole South Beach, you know, uh, sunshine lifestyle. Okay, I did not know that. That's <laughs> very South Beach. Um, yeah. How do you think the quarterback 
situations going uh, with Malik Rozier and just we kind of saw like what he was down the stretch and like that three game skid and like what happens when things fall apart for him like how do you how have you uh, what have you gleaned from the Miami Hurricane quarterback battle this fall? I I mean well I don't even know how much of a battle it really is I I think Mark there was a battle there in the spring yeah and then and then Rick Rick at media days kind of hinted and, and basically said it without saying it that Rosier is going to be his guy. And from my perspective, you know, I, I don't understand with the Miami fans, they all, you know, bash Rosier. He's inaccurate. I, I, I get it. But at the end of the day, I mean, the guys won 10 games. I mean, what, what, what do you want to do? Roll out uh, a red shirt freshman or a true freshman week one against LSU on a Sunday night when the whole country's you know, watching. I, I just don't think those other two guys are ready. I mean, Yes, Rozier, he might not be the most accurate passer, but I think he's a good game manager, and as cliche as that sounds, I, if you got a good team, you got a good defense, I mean, I mean just roll with it. I, I think what also he does well is Miami doesn't have the best offensive line, and he's a little nifty, and he's also a big-body quarterback that can take a hit, and, and he really doesn't turn the ball over in, the, in that department in terms of getting blindsided and stuff like that. So I, I think you know their decision to go with him makes sense. Um, Nikosi Perry, who's the other quarterback the in that, in that yeah, competition. Yeah, he's the dual threat guy. He's exciting. Yeah. You know, and I, I think he's already been passed over as the fan favorite. Uh, I think everyone wants Jaron Williams, the, the, Ooh, the new freshman. freshman and, yeah. And, and you know what? I I'm, I'm t- I can get behind that movement. Um, you know, Nikosi, the first time I ever saw Nikosi, he, he was like a high school sophomore. Mm-hmm. I saw him at like some U.S. Army combine i said that kid has the best arm here interesting now okay. i don't think he, I, I don't think he's always so i've been team nikosi the longest time but i just think the thought of him doing well in, in this offense I mean, he played in a strictly spread never went under center uh-huh. offense and all these my so he's going to transfer to auburn and win a national title yeah. i'm excited <laughs> this is good he's jared Simmons replacement we don't need bo nix we get uh nikosi perry in two years i like it i like where you're going I mean that's just that's how I viewed. It. I, mm-hmm. I I knew it was going to take time for him to to learn how to go under center. I, I still don't think he's he's fully caught up on it. So uh, Jared Williams is a, an elite eleven quarterback. Another kid I first time I saw him, I absolutely I loved him. Mm-hmm. And more I think than he's Perry? got it together in the head. Oh yeah, way more than Perry. Okay. I mean he, I think he's the real deal. And the new redshirt rule this year, I I think even makes it easier for Miami yeah. to just play road deer because. But that redshirt rule, you, I mean, you could play a guy for four games and still redshirt him. Mm. So I think they get that other guy in there and uh, just, just kind of go with it. Oh, wow. So this is going to be fun. Uh, but this is last year for his year, right? Like, no matter what, this is the last year. Yeah, unless he, like, breaks his leg week two and, you know, gets a <laughs> medical hardship. But, yeah, this is it. This is it. Um do you think Miami fans and Mark Richt is actually thinking about a national title? Is that something that they're expecting to actually happen in five years or less? Like, what are the expectations surrounding this program going forward? I, I, I do say, I, mean, I thought you were saying this year. I, I was going to say this. Oh, the no. Breaks no, 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 no. Like, I'm going to go no, put I, the brakes on I, that. I, they're not winning the national title this year. No. I, I think in five years, yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I, I honestly, I honestly do it. You know, it goes back to what they're recruiting. I mean, they are, like I said, Rick has really transformed the roster. Uh, I think you, you mentioned Thomas Brown earlier. Thomas Brown said the other day, he's like, you know, this is the most talent we've ever had. 
And, you know, everyone took that concept, quote out of context, things they're talking about, like back in the 80s. He's like, no, this is the most talent we've ever had here, like in terms of, you know, your first wide receiver to your 10th wide receiver. I mean, like they're stacked. And then same thing at running back. And, you know, I think he's doing the right thing. I also think, you know, we were talking about the quarterback competition. You go to that 2019 season next year, and Miami's going to be loaded. I would not be surprised if they're a very attractive option for maybe a graduate transfer, someone that can come in uh and play right away mm-hmm. so um i think if they if he keeps his staff together and keeps recruiting the way he is i, I think a lot of people uh, that you know in coral gables are expected to, to at least make a run to that college football playoff especially with the after what they did uh this past season I, I think they're a little ahead of schedule i think they got some breaks that went their way but um i think they showed that uh, the talent in, in the core is starting to come together for uh, potentially to make that run. And especially if you want to look at the big picture, mm. I think Miami's off is a bit of fitting after that, but down years at both Florida state and Florida. I mean, right. but they're coming back. It's real. I mean, they're, yeah, they, they're coming back, but <laughs> I mean, are you Dan Mullen's coming those... and Willie Tyrant's coming? You really... yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm signing uh, up for them and lane gobbling up everybody's <laughs> five stars that they can't af- afford to keep anymore. Yeah. Butch Davis. at uh, FIU. You can, you Yeah. You, I'm there. I, I'm a I'm a Florida Atlantic grad. We cannot we cannot bash Lane. Kiffin. I'm not bash. Lane Kiffin's my guy. I love Lane Kiffin more than like Joey Freshwater is my dude. Like I, I'm a Lane I'm a Lane stan, um, 100. Yeah. percent But he has definitely figured out a way to make this all work in, at FAU. He has. You wanted to like, you know, I, I keep track of what they do. Yeah. Like. Practice number five, they added a grad transfer quarterback. Uh-huh. I'm like, what? I'm like, this doesn't happen anywhere else in the country. Like, oh yeah, hey, we like this is the, the starting running backs. Like, yeah, I turn around. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Mm-hmm. Like, just handed me the ball. <laughs> like, it's just unreal what he's doing there. So, how long do you think he's there? Oh, I think he loves it. I really? mean, I, I actually know he loves it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Why? He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> so it's just like he's the king Raton. of Book Raton. Yeah. Uh, from what I've heard, he's still living in the Boca Raton Resort. Okay. Like, so, so they said that you know he bought this house, but from what I've heard, he still lives at the resort. That's amazing. Is, you know, yeah. Oh my god, he's just tweeting away um, from Boca Raton Resort. That's that's incredible. What a guy, Lane Kevin. Um, who are you excited about breaking out on this Miami roster this year? Like, who are some guys that you're looking at? You're like, people don't know about this person yet, but they're going to break out this year, and you should probably keep an eye on them. I think it starts, uh, well, it's, it, you know, I think there, a lot of people were concerned about the defensive line. Um, you know, they lost two guys early to the NFL. They didn't think they were going to lose RJ McIntosh and, and Kendrick Norton. And, uh, you know, Jared Willis is, is a guy that, that Rick has really hyped up. And I've heard the same thing from, you know, people inside the program. Um, he's, he's a former high blue chip recruit and he's really never had it together, started his career at Florida. Um, from what I heard, it, there was times in the spring they couldn't even practice. Uh, you know, they, the coaches would say, uh, well, he'll dictate if we, we can practice today just because he would blow through that line of scrimmage. So um, I think he's a guy who, who's going to have to play a lot of snaps just because they don't have bodies. I think a lot of people are uh, – he's going to have a chance to make plays. So he's one. Um, then at, at defensive end, they got this kid, Greg Russo. He's a, uh, a lengthy – lengthy lengthy it's funny he, he actually started his prep career as a wide receiver now he's a defensive end he spent as an early enrollee uh on campus he added like 30 pounds 
had like six sacks in the spring game or, or, or the two spring scrimmages. So they're expecting big things of him on offense. Uh, Brevin Jordan, uh, you know, Miami, they're, they're starting tight end mm-hmm. uh, just toward his knee. He's not going to come back. So Brevin Jordan, number one ranked tight end by 24 seven sports uh, last cycle. Uh, he was at Las Vegas, Bishop Gorman. Um, raving reviews after the first week of practices. They think he's the real deal. And just because of numbers, he's going to have to play. So I think he's another one. You, uh, I, I think he has a chance to be uh, a freshman All-American just because of how much they get their tight ends involved in offense. I mean, it was David Njoku uh, you know, two years ago. This past season, it was Chris Herndon. I mean, Chris Herndon, I, 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 he might start for the Jets. So they, they get their tight ends involved, and they think he's the next one in, in, in line. That's that's interesting. So the Cowboys are excited about drafting him in 2021 <laughs> in the third round. Yeah, I, well, I, he's he's a little vertically vertically challenged. You know, he's not as tall as okay. the other two. Uh-huh. He's more of a, he's more of like an Orson Charles. Mm. But you know, if you if you, if you can play, oh, wow. you can play. So. Orson Charles, a name I've not heard in a long time. Aaron Murray's best friend and tight end at Georgia for years and years. Well, yeah. ha- happened to be coached by Mark Rick. Exactly. Look at that. The connections, they never end in college football. So there you go. Um, <laughs> so how long would you expect Mark Rick to be at Miami? Have you gotten a sense of like what his long-term plan is? Do you think he's there for the long haul? Or do you think this is like a short-term thing for him? Oh, like I said, this is a long haul. Okay. I mean, if you, so put, he's if you put a million dollars. He feels energized. Well, didn't Bill Snyder sign like a five-year Okay, but Bill Snyder today? is a little bit different. I feel like we cannot like compare every college football coach to bill snyder because i feel like he's just like he were he left and then just came back he's like i guess i'll save kansas state again like oh you had you hired this guy who was it price what was his name um yeah or on price yeah. or whatever yeah and he blew up the program and then bill snyder was like i guess i'll figure this out again all right what is uh what is uh, number seven who he got into the Fiesta Bowl? Who's that? Co- Colin Kyle? What was his name? Something like that. Colin, Colin Klein. Klein, actually, yeah. I was doing a story the other day and had to go to Kansas State's coaching roster. He's actually on staff. Of course as, he like, is. the offensive coordinator. Uh-huh. Is L. Robertson not, so. like the QB coach? And then Michael Bishop's <laughs> like the veteran advisor? Yeah. Um, no, I think Rick... You know, like I said, he's put all this money into the indoor practice facility. I mean, his own money. Um, he's only and, you know, that's kind of his baby he's only baby project. Like, he's like the what? He's only 58. It feels like he's older, but I, it, he's only 58. Yeah, no, I, five years. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to coach anywhere else besides here. So it's either, you know, he goes out on a high note or, or they run him out of town. But I just, I, I, I can't see it anytime soon. Um, what I, what I could see maybe happening is, is I, you know, I mentioned Manny Diaz previously, I, I could see them maybe giving him a, a head coach in waiting title. Um, you know, the defense was obviously great last year with that turnover chain and all that stuff, but he's, he's a guy who's born and raised in Miami as used to be the mayor. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think he wants to leave. So it, maybe it'll get to a point where they're like, Hey, we'll try to keep you on, keep, get that title going. Um, what did Rick think but, of the uh, turnover chain? Oh, they love it, love man. It. Dude, that, they, that, it, it was unreal. Like, just to see it come out from the first time to uh-huh. the end of the season. I mean, you, you would go in the parking lot and there's like kids, you know, five year old kids walking around with like fake turnover <laughs> chains. It, it, like, you've just never seen anything like it before. So that's not going know? anywhere. So like, I, that's going to continue this year. 
Yeah, I think they got it like remade or, 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 or I don't know. Yeah, I mean it's 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 staying. Okay. I think the other they they had it at the spring game. Okay. I do remember that. Yeah. Interesting. So it's, so it's a part of my football I'm, now. Which I'm fine with. I mean, it's not like it's unique. I guess I, I think it's unique. So whatever. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's cool. It, I just I wonder how like. Someone, I mean, then again, Mark Rick did the crank that soldier boy. Um, a lot of his guys in the blackout versus I want to say Auburn, uh, seven years yeah. ago with no Sean yeah. and everybody else. So he he's like a low key guy who enjoys his players having fun. Like you wouldn't expect Mark Rick to be that guy, but um, he is that guy actually. Yeah, I mean, and then he sent his whole team out on the field one time. He did after, the uh, yeah. They scored yeah. that opener. I think they like scored the opening touchdown, and he like sent the whole people out to dance and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean they were like, I think they were like five and five at the time, yeah. but we'll just leave that leave that part out of the story. I mean we will, and uh, the fact that he hired <laughs> um, Brian Schottenheimer to be his OC at the tail end of his Georgia career, <laughs> and uh, started Grayson Lambert for a lot of games, and um, yeah, did not go well. But, yeah, uh, you know. That that was the past. That was the old Mark Rick. And now the new Mark Rick has Lake Razier and a bunch of other quality quarterbacks, true freshmen to deal with. So he doesn't have to deal with the Grayson Lamberts anymore. Like I think he's past that point of his career. Yeah, I mean he he builds himself as this quarterback whisperer, or at least some people yeah, do. Yeah, I don't so. I don't buy that at all. I'm I'm out I, of that. I, I, do, I you know, I either am I uh I don't know. Um, last thing, then we'll go. So you're looking at the schedule, like Clemson is just kind of like penciled in as the college football playoff favorite from the ACC, like Florida state's on the outside looking in. We just don't know with Taggart and everybody else and Blackman versus Francois and like how that's going to play out. But like, it does seem as though Miami is like that bubble team. That's like, if things go back, I mean, that's what happened last year before they lost to Pitt. Like they were on the verge of making the playoff last year and they had that bad Mark Rick S loss to an inferior opponent. Um, do you think this team is like, do you think they're an actual threat like Kelly Bryant or Trevor Lawrence, no matter who's at quarterback for Clemson, are they a legitimate threat to Clemson and the ACC this year? You know, I, the thing I always, tell people and i go back to the this game all the time the the, the clemson game it's like all right in that clemson game when they're they're starting cornerback or whoever went down it's like the next man up was a five-star cornerback and you know that's just what clemson is right now that that's the state of the program you know the talent they're recruiting i just don't think miami's at that level yet but i think this every year they're getting closer and can they get there so I think they can. That's what I. That's what I'm saying. I, I know at the skill positions, they still got to get. They got to figure out a way with with the offensive and defensive line. I mean, they're a little short. You know, South Florida doesn't produce those type of kids. You know, it's always been been the way. So, um, I think they're going to need to start recruiting a little more national nationally there. But, um, I, I think they can get there. And, you know, I, I think it will be as com- more competitive this year if they were to face Clemson in North Carolina. I, I think so, but I just, it's hard to project them taking them down at, at this stage. Cause I've seen Trevor Lawrence throw and I just, I've seen the defensive linemen that they've recruited and, and How is I Trevor keep picturing in my head. Is, well, when you see the hair, you're like, wow. Sunshine. Like right, the hair. Yeah. yeah. But like, it's, it's actually, 
is the first time yeah. I ever I ever heard Trevor Lawrence's name. I was I, I was covering Notre Dame at the time, uh-huh. and it was when Notre Dame was playing at Clemson, uh-huh. uh, that rain game with the Sean Kaiser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know I, I'm big into re- recruiting, keeping up with them. And like they're like, oh, Trevor Lawrence is here. And he was like a high school freshman at the time. And I remember the kid standing on the sidelines. I'm like, oh, this is this is the kid with all the hair. And then you just see him throw in person. You're like, wow, he's the real so deal. It's so it's legit. I, it's legit. Um, I don't. I think you know him being like fits in the Heisman odds or something like that's a little ridiculous. But <laughs> or or he, he was he was definitely up there in one of the Heisman odds. I saw. I think that's a little premature, but. Um, I think he's good. But to answer your question, I I, I think Miami's still a year or two away from being able to go go head to head with uh, Clemson or Alabama. Okay. Now that I know that you have a, a strong eye for recruiting, I have another follow-up question. I lied. Um, do you think Georgia is going to end up regretting picking basically Justin Fields over Trevor Lawrence? No, because I think Justin Fields is better than Trevor Lawrence. Really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So Jake Fromm, uh, is he the quarterback of Georgia two years from now? Uh, well, two years, can he be pro by then or no? I don't think he's going to, like, he's going to exhaust his time at Georgia. I don't think he's going to go pro until, it's going to be the Aaron Murray thing. I don't think he's going anywhere. So, you know, everyone. I think we got this year and next year for him. I don't think he's moving on. Like, I think he might be a four-year starter at Georgia. I think that's in play. (sighs) Fields is good, man. Fields is. Once you see Fields in person, you're just like, wow. Uh-huh. Um, saw him tor- tear up seven on seven, and you know everyone will talk about seven on seven. Oh, it's just seven on seven. You know, there's no pass rush, but you can tell the guy's got it. You know, in terms of making decision making, and what we always said is the best part of, about Justin Fields' game is his, his dual threat running ability. Mm-hmm. And when he's playing seven on seven, he's taken that completely away. So I think he's the real deal. So. Um, I don't know. You, you can't go wrong with Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. I'm just saying, I, if it was up to no, me, I was No, you can't walk this back. You <laughs> picked Fields over Lawrence. We heard the tape. I'm not deleting that part of this podcast. You were very adamant in your explanation that, like, well, you think that uh, Fields is better than Lawrence. I, I heard that. I, we all heard it. I'm just, I'm just saying. That's who I would take. That's fine. That's who I think better. I so. like it. It's a take. Long term. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. But in this, in this, in this day and age, 2018, to, Got to shy away from the take sometimes. No, you, you know, don't, get... Andrew. This podcast is very take friendly. You can say whatever you would like. Like, be honest, man. It's it's fine. But I don't think Justin Fields is on Georgia's roster by 2019. I think he's gone. Is he playing baseball? No, I think he's transferred. <laughs> okay. I just, okay. I think it's gonna be such a from an optic level. Like, I don't see how he like Jake Fromm just had that magical year at UGA last year where he comes in for Eason. Eason was on the verge of losing to App State at home in week one. And then Fromm saves everything. He beats Notre Dame on the road. He goes to the national title, all that stuff. Um, we know what Fromm is. He's he's not a superstar, but he's like someone, like Georgia's schedule is a joke this year. It's an absolute joke. They're going like 11-1 and one at the very least. Like he's going to win a lot of games. From, I mean, Fields will probably get like the new redshirt role. He'll get a couple games in, but like, I don't see an avenue for him to play anytime soon. And another thing, why are these five-star quarterbacks going to places where there's already an established quarterback now? Stop doing this. Go somewhere else. Go to Kentucky. Go to Vanderbilt. Go to... Uh, oh, yeah. 
the, the statistics would say, I, I did see something earlier this week about quarterbacks transferring. If you were a betting man, it'd be smart to lay some units on him transferring just based on how the recent trends have gone. Yeah, so. he's out. But I do agree. Him and Hurts, yeah. gone. Yeah, I hope Hurts ends up at Oregon with Mario Cristobal. Like, that'll be fun. I could, I'm, I'm down with the year of Hurts at Oregon and a playoff run for them. I don't know where Fields fits. I'm telling you. Yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm telling you. What I was talking about earlier, I'm, in Miami, they're going to be on the market, I think, for grad transfer quarterback. Uh-oh. And, you know, Jalen Hurts might be the, the top name out there. I mean, I'm not saying he him, like but, a mark rate like quarterback. Said, they're going to be an attractive option if they win 9, 10, 11 games this year. I mean, with what they return and, and the skill set players they have, I, I think uh, if they're, they're going to have the, the pick of the litter, especially because they're, they're probably not going to take a, a quarterback this cycle. So they'll have the, the two kids without uh, – probably have never started a game, and then, um, you know, it'll be probably a wide-open competition. Hmm. Well, it's going to be fun either way. I'm excited. But Georgia fans, I don't think you're ever going to see, like, Justin Fields start a game for your team. It's unfortunate. You're recruiting everywhere else. Like, you have, like, 45 four-stars. So, like, that's the difference. Like, you're recruiting – really really well now like you're still getting the same amount of five stars that you did in the market there but you're getting way more four stars than ever before so it's all five and four stars but guess what you're not getting justin fields starting quarterback for the georgia bulldogs it's not <laughs> happening he, he's gonna move on you got jake Fromm. it's fine you did this to yourself you get jake Fromm. you don't get both it's not how this works you can't play two quarterbacks he gets to go somewhere else he's gonna win a championship at florida state or auburn or something else fingers crossed for auburn but we got bo nicks in the way um, can I go ahead and check that one off as Bo Nix and Auburn Tiger next year? Oh, yeah, I think so. Okay. He's another kid I like, too. Yeah. I mean, he, he was good when I saw him at the opening. And then we got Chris Winkie so. 2.0, the 35-year-old who's come back to school. That's cool. Auburn's Ford loaded. Sandberg. Yeah, I'm in. I'm ready. Um, the last year I stood him, man. I have to enjoy it because Auburn has the toughest schedule in college this year. So shout out to them for making life unnecessarily hard for them <laughs> on a yearly basis their last five games like they played georgia alabama georgia ucf and washington like wh- why are you doing this how is this happening I-, I don't understand why they're doing this to themselves but it um it sucks and i wish they would stop <laughs> give me austin p six times do that let's like I, I, Furman. yeah Furman. whatever alabama state who cares? But this Washington opener, I, I'm just, I'm annoyed. I think they'll win, yeah. but uh, yeah, it, it sucks. I, I don't like any of it. So um, schedule weaker, do what Georgia does, do the cake, the cakewalk, whatever that expression <laughs> is, do whatever their nonsense is, and uh, don't do what Auburn did. Or Tennessee, who is probably going to go like 4-8 and eight because their schedule is an absolute bloodbath, too. So um, either way, schedule easy. Miami's going to be good, I think. Um, do you have a number on the, they're going to be good. They're, like, do you have a number 10 and good. two, 11 and one? What are you looking at for them? I think, I think, I think 10 and 10. Okay. That's what I think. That's what were they this past year? 10 and three. 10 and three. Yeah. So that, um, I'm going, uh, the same as last the year. Schedule is just favorable. Yeah. They're going to be good in every game. And I think, um, it, it should be interesting. And, uh, if Kelly Bryant starts every game for Clemson, um, maybe the ACC opens up. We'll see. I'm telling you, Trevor Lawrence and his hair. Gotta watch out. You don't get to talk up Trevor Lawrence now. We already heard your Justin Fields take. You don't get to go back. You already disrespected Trevor Lawrence on this podcast. We heard it. I timestamped it. You don't get to go back, man. I'm sorry. You're not a Trevor Lawrence guy. 
You don't get to have it both ways. I'm not, You're a Justin Fields guy. I'm not. I'm a, I'm a Fields guy. You are a Fields guy. Andrew Ivan's field guy. Um, well, this is great, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. We can find you on Twitter at Andrew underscore Ivans. We can read you at Miami.247sports.com, where you are the best Miami Hurricanes beat writer. And I'm excited to read you this fall as I get annoyed watching the Miami Hurricanes offense try to score points with Malik Rozier and um, those bad games that they're going to have where it's like 19 to 16 and like them losing to you North Carolina um or something like that like that's gonna happen they're gonna have one of those weird losses that just drive miami fans crazy because that's the mark Richt way it's, uh, it's what he does he <laughs> gives what well, he, he gives them one bad loss um he's gonna have a pit game i don't think he's gonna be pit again this year but it's gonna be somebody and it feels like north carolina based on them getting like half their team suspended going into the first four weeks so um yeah true. <laughs> get ready for that the north carolina tar hills beating the miami hurricanes randomly and then miami going like 11 and 1 and uh yeah it's gonna be great um either way follow andrew read his stuff and uh andrew we will have to talk in soon sir all right i'll tell you later man All right, we're back on the Chase Thomas podcast. It's late on a Thursday, but Derek Montia has made the time. One of my favorite people in the world of the Steel Cage, ArizonaSports.com, where he covers the uh, terrible Diamondbacks, the absolutely awful Arizona Diamondbacks, terrible baseball team. Mm -hmm. But um, he does that uh, because he's a nice guy, and he covers the Diamondbacks. And he covers my guy, Zach Krinke, so that's a positive. So I appreciate you using... Um, your time to cover uh, a legend. After 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 all we've given to the Atlanta Braves, you're going to treat the Diamondbacks like that. Well, I mean, Dansby Swanson's not really worked out. I know he's he's an, he's an eighth hitter guy. Guess he's, what? Uh, Guess what? Yeah. Guess what? Neither is Shelby Miller. Yeah, that that <laughs> I think both teams lost. Yeah, I, I think that's what we're looking at here. Uh, but Tukey might be okay. Uh, I like what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Tukey. I missed. So him he might. Be, yeah, he might be a guy. So we'll we'll see there, but the Braves have like 19 different arms, and they're only going to be able to pick a couple because they have Fulton Nevich and everything else. But anyway, this is not a baseball podcast no. tonight. No, this is a professional wrestling podcast, and yes, um, I have a lot of thoughts this week. And SmackDown, it's a really good show right now. Great, um, it's it's great. But Raw, I have some thoughts, and I want to start with Raw because. Derek, I wrote a Raw recap this week, Yeesh. and I, I so I Raw is one of those shows now where I don't know how anybody watches it live. I think you're doing a disservice to yourself, your livelihood, everything else if you sit at home and watch Raw live from eight to eleven on Monday nights. You should not do that. It's a bad idea. Um, it's it's not okay. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't give them that. But if you watch it the next morning, to breeze. Love the next morning watch. Yeah. I can go I can see what I need to see, fast forward stuff, go through everything. I even um, I even like starting it like two hours into the show. Yeah, that works too. That works That's too. Also, right. Yeah. It just gives you uh, the freedom to be nimble, to move through the matches that you don't want to see. I mean, I like I, a twenty minute Baron Corbin versus Roman Reigns match to kick off the show. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That was cool like though. That. Like it, it's so weird because I like Corbin and like in my notepad I was like you know what's weird is Baron Corbin is by far the best talker in this opening segment, but this show was built around Ronda Rousey's debut match, and they're opening the show with Roman Reigns, Baron Corbin, and Kurt Angle, right. which I thought was weird right. because this is 
Ronda Rousey's debut. Like this show should have been built around like, oh, the opener, Ronda Rousey. She's going to actually have a match here tonight. Like that's what it should have been. Like Brock Lesnar a week ago where you kept seeing the backstage segments of him. He read a magazine for three and a half hours, by the way. Like he not, just not the, same the same magazine. Time. Are you sure? Oh, I'm sure. Okay. So yeah. he had at least two. Oh yeah. He had a, okay. he had a hunting one and then mm-hmm. just a general All outdoorsman. outdoorsman. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't move. He was very comfortable. Um, I imagine. I, I imagine that's really what he's doing when he's on an episode of Raw. Like, so I love that that backfired because, like, the way they presented him in that capacity of like this guy doesn't care, but him just saying like, "Why would I watch this program?" is the most babyface thing any professional wrestler <laughs> could say yeah. in 2018. Of like, yeah, why would you watch Raw for three hours? What are you doing? Like, <laughs> I love that the self own there that the creative team did. Um, by feeding him that line, that was great. Yeah, but um, well, here's the thing about heels in general: they seem to speak the truth, and their character motivations seem to be stoked in or or, or somewhere uh, rooted in like noble causes. It's it's yeah. it's weird, but that's another reason why I have a hard time connecting with their faces and their heels in the way that they want me to. Right. They pick poor people to be heels. Back in the day, if you were just in generally disliked by the by the crowd, you were going to be a heel. You know, people Wait, like who you. are you frustrated with? Who is a heel right now that you just don't buy as a heel? No, I, I'm. I get. I. I don't know. I think. I. I don't even think it's I Drew McIntyre. I think is our guy. Where it's like. It that, I, like he's too good. Here's and you, he, yeah. Here's the thing. It's the way they write them, and it's just the way that heels are. It's the way that it's the reason why I've been preaching that Roman Reigns has needed a heel turn, just like everybody else. I'm I'm no different than anybody that's been watching the product and feels that way. I know there mm-hmm. there are Roman Reigns fans out there, but Roman Reigns I, are he, there? He, oh God, yes, God, yes, and they are they are crazy. You don't, still out. I don't believe this. I've learned two things over the last year. Not to publicly talk about uh, DC being uh, worse than Marvel. And why? I Oh, because the fans will come out of the woodworks and attack you in a way really? like you've never seen. It's, it's weird, but I can Roman Reigns supporters to DC supporters to Trump wow. supporters. So it's like the, the same the, kind of blind allegiance where if you disagree with them, you're the enemy and they seem to need to attack you in a mob style type fashion. So Roman Reigns fans also like are like Zack Snyder is actually good. Oh. There's a crossover there. Oh, man. Let's not do that. Interesting. Let's not do that. Okay. Uh, no, I mean, I'm not like I'm, okay. I'm a DC guy. Like but, I want Watchmen no, to be good. I, like, want, uh, I want everything to be good. That's where the complication exactly. comes in is like, I, I, I want think, Roman Reigns to be good. He's I, not good. I want Roman Reigns to be good too, Chase. I really do. I, and that's the thing is that I feel like I, I, I beat it to death talking about it because no matter what angle you think it's going to come from or whatever the way that it's going to work out, it, it's going to be better than what they actually do. No matter what you and I sit here and discuss about what they could do at SummerSlam, coming up with the idea of having Paul Heyman possibly turn on Brock and help Roman oh, win God. the title. No, and thank you. Then Paul Hard Heyman, pass. then Paul Heyman can talk for Roman Reigns, and Roman Reigns can be Hard the guy pass. just standing there in the ring with the championship on his shoulder while uh, Paul Heyman tells you why he's so great as a heel type persona now because he's aligned with Paul Heyman. So that's that. I won't do this. Kind of I won't allow this. No, I'm just no, thank saying. You. 
that is better than whatever they'll do. Whatever uh, is I that, do, though? it is. Oh, it okay. so is, Chase. It so is because that makes it interesting. I mean, that, what they can, what can they do? I mean, the most interesting thing they, they can do is Brock winning. That's sad. I don't want that. I don't tired of that. I, and I don't even. I don't want, want either. To I don't want Brock to win, right. but I also don't, well, actually, you know what I want is Kevin Owens to cash in. Oh, like I want Kevin Owens it. to win the opener. Do not take that title away from Braun Strowman. I will Braun Strowman stop sucks. watching. Excuse me. Braun Strowman is actually bad. I've been like you're actually down. bad. No. What? Okay. Okay. So can I make the case that Braun Strowman is the dumbest TV character of the last year? Oh, I will fight. I will fly to Atlanta. <laughs> so he's a liar. Let's start there. Remember when he said that like the next time Brock Lesnar was in the same arena as Braun Strowman, that he was going to cash in. Guess who was sitting in the back just reading a magazine for three hours at Raw last week, and Braun Strowman was in the building. Guess who didn't attack uh, Brock Lesnar and go after him and like any mention of, hey, Brock's here. Let me go ahead and cash in like I promised once I won this. The next time I see Brock, I'm cashing in. Guess who didn't fulfill his promise because he is a liar. Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman lied about it. Guess who loses every big match he's ever been in? Braun Strowman. Guess who is not anywhere near the Mike presence that Kevin Kevin Owens put on a clinic this week on the Kevin Owens show? Like him cutting off Jinder Mahal at just the perfect time over and over again. Just Kevin Owens is so much better and so much more interesting as a professional wrestler than Braun Strowman. I like Braun Strowman in a vacuum, but I think the moments pass. I don't think no. if you want to no. if you want to give me a no. story, give me no. Kevin Owens. Braun every Strowman time. is one of the only guys that is completely over with the entire crowd. But he's a dumb character, Braun right? Braun Strowman is not a dumb character. He's gotten character. himself count he's, he's lost to Jinder Mahal the last two weeks. I do not care that he lost to Jinder Mahal. I actually like Jinder Mahal lately as a character. No, you too. don't. I really I won't allow this. I really no. do. I also okay. like Randy Orton. Can I keep I love Randy Orton right oh, now? Oh, I love Randy Orton so much. But going yeah. back to Braun Strowman, don't ever say Braun Strowman. His character sucks, man. His character He's an sucks. idiot. Like, what is he doing? Why is he chasing after Kevin Owens for the briefcase? Kevin Owens is running psychological circles around Braun Strowman kayfabe-wise. Because, like, if you look at oh, what he's it, doing. This is, this, is a, this is him getting back for the fact that Braun Strowman yeah, ran circles around him. He tried to kill him. He did try to kill him. That's what happens when you mess with Braun Strowman. Braun, Braun Strowman, Strowman should be in was jail. once ranked 18th in the AP college football poll. Braun Strowman <laughs> eats whole chickens live. He uh-huh. once jogged around the block with a fridge on his back. Right. Braun Strowman grew a third arm and kept it in a vault. He is the person who killed Wolfman Jack with a trident. Braun Strowman is one of the greatest human beings alive. But he lost to Brock Lesnar and Roman he Reigns. He sweats Gatorade. Chase, mm-hmm. he sweats Gatorade. Mm-hmm. Braun Strowman, he, one, he once showed me a video of him making love to my wife, and it was the Wait, most what? beautiful <laughs> damn thing I ever saw. <laughs> he makes brooms somewhere in Georgia. He sleeps eight hours a night. Well, that's uh-huh. pretty much normal when it comes right. to that. But he does all of the makeup for the Planet of the Apes movies. He's in, He once inhaled a seagull, for Christ's sake. Braun Strowman is the greatest. You can't hold a candle to the seagull in that movie with um, uh, Ryan Reynolds' wife, uh, Blake Lively. Oh, speaking of his wife, Braun Strowman was told that by the Pope that he could have her as a mistress. Oh my God! He, do you, do you, can you get? Can you at least tell me one thing that Braun Strowman does better than Kevin Owens as a professional wrestler? Tipping stages over. Okay. Setting That's cars on fire. Outside of like abnormal, uh, 
physical tools. Throwing Kevin Owens off of a cage. That's Kevin Owens, though. All no, Kevin Owens. no, no. Kevin Owens risked his life. He did it for Braun because he's a company guy. He won that. Kevin Owens is too. a man. Yeah. Kevin Owens is the guy. You know why Braun doesn't care? Because he doesn't need to care. He doesn't need these wins because he has the money in the bank. Can he actually say something else besides just, hey, you're going to get these hands? Like, can he actually say something else? Or is his character, yes. like, reached its... Does he need to say something else? Yes, 100%. He's in a bad funk. Like, this has been a terrible He's year for him. He's in a bad funk. It is a terrible funk. year. He won the greatest Royal Rumble of all uh-huh. time. The greatest right. Royal Rumble. Nobody remembers that, not by the way. the regular Royal Rumble. Not He won the tag okay, titles with a 12-year-old. So, so Royal he Rumble. He tagged with Lashley this summer. He was like, the tag team champion with a 12-year-old. Look at what he did last year. Look at what he did last year. He was in the biggest feud of the summer against Roman Reigns. They were trying to murder each other. And then he had a title match against Lesnar and lost in an awful match in 12 minutes. Like, I'm out on Strowman. I have no interest in Universal Champion Braun Strowman. I don't care. I'm out. Give me Kevin Owens every day of the week. Give me Kevin Owens show to open every week. Love Kevin Owens. He is fantastic. He, he is fantastic. Why are you pitting me against these two? Just because, because they're in a rivalry? Because one is clearly league? better than the other options for Universal title, and they're no. going to face off at SummerSlam. And you're, wait, I do this not, leads back I, to the Brock Lesnar stuff I of, like, who care. is the most compelling champion of Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, Kevin Owens, Braun Strowman. Those are our four options. That's I, it. I don't care to see Kevin Owens champion right now. Why? Because I've seen that before. Uh-huh. And but, like would it you ran, rather it ran out of Kevin steam Owens? very quickly. Would you rather have Kevin Owens feud with Seth Rollins for the fall? I would or... rather have Braun Strowman be the champion for the next 5 years. Who's he facing? It doesn't matter. He's already beaten everybody. He beat Finn Balor, he beat Kevin Owens, he beat sure. Seth Rollins, he beat all these guys. Exactly. So what is he doing? He'll beat them all again. He wants had sex that with sucks. a cigarette machine. No, thank you. That's, I'm out. No, thanks. no, hard pass. No, don't hard pass me. <laughs> I'm out on Strowman. Did I tell you about the time that Braun was in a production of The King and I? Uh, no, you did not. Okay, on opening night, Braun chloroforms the entire cast and slowly right. eats them in front of the audience <laughs> for two hours. The production oh actually got pretty good reviews. You know he's not listening to this podcast. You no, don't I, butter him up. Oh, like I'm this. not buttering him up. This Kevin is Owens the, is. This is the so legend of I'm, Braun Strowman. Yeah. You raise a glass and you say, to Braun Strowman is what you do. Who's almost as good as Kevin Owens, but not quite. Here's the thing, though, is, is Braun Strowman is the exact type of monster. He is the exact type of reception to him and his ridiculous feats of strength that they essentially wanted Roman Reigns to be. But then they, they, you know, it just didn't work. It's like if you could, if you imagine Roman Reigns doing half of the stuff that Braun Strowman does, there, there would, there would be riots in the street over it by wrestling fans. You know, Braun Strowman mm-hmm. is great because of the fact that he is this bigger than life guy that truly is like believable, at least in a wrestling world, that he can do all of this stuff, that he can pull down the stage, that he can push over a stage with three guys on it that he can, you know, destroy the ring that he can do all of well, these. I think it's also that he wasn't a chosen one. Like he was the odd man out of the Wyatt family. Like he ah, debuted okay. and he, he's gotten a lot better. Like he's someone who's just improved a lot over the last three years. Like he is already like, he has exceeded expectations on a gigantic scale. Right. Like he is a guy that I don't think any of us, when he debuted in the Wyatt family of like, Oh, this guy's actually going to be really good. in the top baby face on raw one day. Like no one saw that. Guy. Not at all. Or especially when he was a road. So bug. he gets credit for that. So he's great on a curve where it's like, we're all just like happy. Like 
I can't believe this happened with Braun. Can you believe that he's this guy now? Like it's it's all like just a surprise, and it's a nice surprise. Roman Reigns from the moment the Shield debuted, you're like, oh, this is going to be a top guy, and they have been pushing that for five years now. So um, it's a little bit different. So I don't know, but my stuff with Lesnar and this will tie it all back is that I don't buy the idea like Colin Cowherd, who I listen to a lot. I don't, I don't care. I like Colin Cowherd. I think he's really good at his job. And he was talking about, I, I didn't really agree with the comparison of Russell Westbrook and um, Cam Newton because Kelvin Benjamin obviously went after Cam Newton and like his career would have been better if he had been playing with an Aaron Rodgers or anybody else. But it's like, yeah, every wide receiver would benefit from playing with a more accurate quarterback like Rodgers, Brady, whoever. Um, that's not news, but uh, Cam Newton also guided you to the Super Bowl uh, just a few years ago. So um, very good quarterback. But anyway, um, I understand like this idea of like, it's hard to play with guys like Westbrook cam and those guys where it's like individually, they are superstars, but like, it's hard to figure things out. And his whole thing was like enabling him. It's like, you can't change, you can't add North Turner to cam Newton's, uh, Rolodex in year eight. Like he's not going to be a prototypical passer. Like you can't teach Russell Westbrook 10 years into, Hey, can you learn to play off ball? Cause we have Dennis Schroeder now. And he's a guy who was top five at the league in the drives, um, to the basket per hundred possessions last year. Like, no, it's not going to happen. Like, that's not how this works. He is who he is. You've enabled him to be this guy. That's fine that he's this guy because he's a superstar and everything else. But like, I look at that with Brock Lesnar where they're like, this guy doesn't care. And Kurt Angle just saying just ridiculous things. And suddenly caring about Brock Lesnar, not appearing on the show every week, uh, just, a couple weeks ago, um, it hasn't sat with me. And I just, I don't really buy it because Brock Lesnar has always had leverage. He has been presented as a guy bigger than the rest of the locker room from day one. His debut was him F5-ing John Cena five years ago. Like, he was the guy who ended Undertaker's WrestleMania winning streak. Like, he is the guy who has been given literally everything. There is, you you can't be mad at someone now. Like, this idea of, like, Brock no longer cares about the fan. He never cared. What are you talking about? He's never been around. He's literally never had a Monday Night Raw match in five years. It's never happened. Yeah, no, it's just, it's it's an effort to, it's an effort to get him into that heel, full on heel role. Yeah. That's why they have to have a short term memory. Right. Exactly. I I don't, I don't buy it. Like this is who he's always been. He's a guy with leverage. Sure. But it's kind of like sometimes when somebody that's a jerk is able to control themselves, when someone that's a jerk is able to behave for a while but you've always known them as being a jerk and then all of a sudden they have some big blow up and you're like yeah that guy is exactly who who i thought he was who he's always been for years and that's kind of what they're trying to do with that but then they're taking it to the the you know they're turning it up to 11 by having him attack uh paul Heyman, and paul Heyman delivered this amazing promo that was unlike anything i've ever seen in pro wrestling before it was good it was so good and it came from such a place of heartbreak and loss. It was like a bad breakup where you just, you know, see somebody in, in shambles and they're saying ridiculous stuff about, you know, hoping that it's all a mistake and, and that they're going to get back together with the person and all of that. And you're like, man, that's sad. He doesn't know that it's over. He doesn't, he doesn't get it. You know, he's doing what he can. And so it's, it's all an effort because Paul Heyman is the thing about Brock Lesnar that a lot of people like, and by separating him from Brock, it's, it's that final thing. Now, what, what we see at the show is, 
is going to be a whole other thing, whether he helps Brock win, whether he helps Roman win, lines himself with Roman, whether he's not a factor at all. I mean, it remains to be seen. I personally just want the belt back in the WWE and not with Brock Lesnar anymore. I want it defended by Can someone. Belt? Can we try? Can he like just throw away the red belt? You know, I think that's it? the thing about it is the good old fruit roll up belt is not something that, I, I really even care that much about. I think that they've done a good job at putting importance on the Intercontinental title. And I think the WWE Championship has felt more important because it has been the only major championship that has basically been, I don't know, around consistently. And it, Sidebar, it why important. does Dolph Ziggler care about the Intercontinental title but not the U.S. title that he gave up just like six months ago? What do you mean? Do you remember when he dropped the title? Like he, won I do. The US title? Yeah, I mean, and yeah, like, because the U.S. title it. is it's. Yeah, he's like, I don't need this. But then he wins the Intercontinental title. He's like, this right. matters. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Okay. The U.S. title Great. doesn't. Another dumb TV character, no. Dolph Ziggler. It's weak. It's a weak title. I wouldn't be interested in having it either. It right. bogged me down. Now I got to challenge these jabronis. No, I need the Intercontinental belt. Not good for Shinsuke then. Shinsuke's elevated that belt. Okay. And it being on him. We'll see. He hasn't been on SmackDown outside of this week. He had the match, obviously, but um, he's been off and on. We haven't seen much Shinsuke True. since he's had the belt. So, Smack, but anyway, everything back everything SmackDown's doing is better. Let's be honest. Uh, not everything. Oh, everything. Stop it. Everything. everything. The everything. women's division on Raw right now. The Alexa Bliss stuff. Mm. The Ronda Rousey. Mm. So, shout out to Alicia Fox. I've yeah. been very negative on this podcast. Alicia Fox is incredible. Her stuff, like she gave this promo before the match her and alexa bliss um just they were on fire and alexa let alicia fox do what alicia fox does and she's a quirky character but she's really good at it. like it feels genuine and she went in this like diatribe and I, I was in like alicia fox is someone like has she's a holdover from a different era but she showed even though she didn't get much offense in this match and everything else, but like it was every, it was the optics like Alicia Fox claiming this was her town. Like Jacksonville was her spot and everything like this was her moment. And she was, I I, I don't know. I, I really like Alicia Fox and I think she is just this underutilized character in the WWE. And um, I was really happy for her because she had her moment. She was in the main event. She made, Ronda Rousey looked like a million bucks and uh, mission accomplished. That said, the hugging's got to stop. Rousey and Natalia have to stop hugging. Like, she got, like, Alexa Bliss jumped Rousey to end Raw and, like, she threw her off and Alexa, like, scurried out of the ring and then she hugged Natalia, like, right after. What are we doing? These are adult women. Why are they hugging this much? Yeah. And it was she, an intense moment, and she hugged. Like, what? She also thanked the crowd and told them to drive home safe, I believe. Oh, my God. Yeah. She almost, she got blindsided by Alexa Bliss to close. Uh, I, I, yeah. That needs to stop. That's the quality control that drives me insane. Well, but, it's uh, that's the part that, you know, she doesn't realize that it's still a show, and you got to cross that finish line before you start doing that dark house show. Exactly. Stuff. Like, wait for it to fade to black and then hug Natalia or something. Like, sure. don't do that to end the show. Like, that should not be the last show. <sighs> and it's it's just an overselling of their relationship. So at one point when that Natalia attacks her... on screen, by the way. Like, we know, we know nothing about them on screen. Yeah. Like, we just got presented with them like, hey, they train together and they're best friends. It's like the Curtis Axel and the Rock stuff. Right. Kind of. It's just, it's meant to be that so that now when it when they have them feud against each other, when it when they have 
Natalia cost her the championship at one point, they'll have, you know, a history and, and yeah. it, it can't be something you establish in like three months and then have it turn. It, it has to be a long-term kind of thing. So they, they're, so they're, they're really awesome. ring it on. Alicia Fox was great. Alexa bliss is obviously awesome. Yeah. I'm not happy with Charlotte being back in the title feud. I, I just don't think she belongs and I'm nope. annoyed. I'm a, Becky I'm not Lynch either guy. Yeah. I, I love Becky. This is her moment. I hope this does not lead to a heel turn for her. It'd be a very bad idea. No, I don't, I don't believe so. I think if anything, it's leading to a heel turn for Charlotte. They know exactly what, what I would do. Doing. Yeah. Um, and I also think that I agree with you a hundred percent. I felt like the Becky versus Carmella thing was real. I felt it, mm-hmm. it was, it was going somewhere that felt, uh, uh, personal, genuine and genuine. Yeah. yeah. Becky's so. promo, like about like I haven't been in a title match in this amount of time. I haven't like her. Just it, she did a really good job of just like laying on the line of like, hey, here's where I'm at. Like it's been a rough year and a half, and like you put the numbers out there, and you're like, oh my god, how is she still over? This has been insane. She's just been in the background for so long, and then to just have Charlotte just jump back in is um, disconcerting. I understand that they're trying to tell a story here and all that kind of stuff, but. I, I just I would rather Charlotte not be around for this. Well, I think she's stuck around because they had her win a lot. Yeah. I mean, people don't care about wins and losses, but the perception is there. I care. Well, no, the perception is there for everybody. They they people yeah. keep track mentally. They don't know how many wins or losses in a row, but you get three losses in a row, and to them, to the fans, it's a million losses in a row. Three wins in a row, a million wins in a row. You know, so What's it's Kurt like Hawkins up to um two hundred and something. Right. Okay. I don't know. How I don't. He eventually beat. Does he actually get a win? No, they got. They're gonna cut cut him before that ever happens. That's so sad. Um, but yeah. So that's where I'm at with the SmackDown Women's Division. I think. You know what's sadder they, they about that? Wait, let me, let, thing. let me let yeah. me take a step back. You know what's more messed up about that is that then he's gonna go on the Indies and he's gonna proceed to still do this gimmick and he's gonna just lose all the time. Mm. What a company guy. That guy does not care. He's doing what he can yep. to help other people out. Yep. Good for Kurt Hawkins. I guess. Good for him. I um, but they mess up the Oscar stuff. Like, it's been a disaster since she's been on SmackDown. Like, they basically picked. And Carmella's been good on the mic. She's a really good talker. And I've been surprised at how much she's evolved on that front. And it she stands out because a lot of these characters on the main roster cannot talk. And she's one of the few that can. She's like Alexa Bliss in that capacity where. You can trust her to just talk about whatever, and that's fine. Like, she's good, but she's still terrible in the ring. Like, she's an awful worker. Her matches are terrible, and eventually it's going to catch up to them because you just can't get by in 2018 in professional wrestling and not be able to work. Like, if you don't, if you can't put together a good 15- to 20-minute match, it's just, it's it's a tough sell. And I just, I, I wish she was better in the ring. If she was, it, she'd be the total package, but she's just, um, she's bad. I hate this need to put people over. I hate this yeah. need for them to put the championship on Jinder Mahal's and oh. Carmella's oh. of the world yeah. just to, to try to them. elevate them and establish yeah. them, right? And I mean, to be honest, I get what they're doing, and it's it works. It's effective, especially when it's a heel, because you, you hate them for two reasons. You mm-hmm. hate them because storyline-wise, they're making you hate them, but then you also hate them for the fact that they don't deserve the spot. And that's kind of effective in today's wwe where it's hard to make people actually hate heels and and cheer for baby faces it's just hard champa it's even he gets cheered you know what i mean like it's hard because he's so good 
Um, but that's what I mean it's about somebody field, that's man. not Like good. he's even, yeah. That's what if I, you went to a, the NXT show, if you went to NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, would you cheer for Ciampa? Oh, yeah, I would. I'd pop for him. Okay. I mean, I'd probably be holding up some stupid Johnny Gargano sign, too, at the same time. But that's... Another dumb TV character. Another dumb character. Johnny Gargano? Yeah. Great wrestler. Love watching his matches. I... Fantastic. He's a dumb TV character. Chase, I am booking a flight <laughs> on southwest.com right, right. now. Uh-huh. I'm using my miles to come uh-huh. to Atlanta to fight you. Okay. I just want what you for? to know that. I did these takes on these characters yeah. that they're bad characters. I want them to be good characters. They're just not. Johnny Gargano is the next Daniel Bryan. He's not. He absolutely is. Daniel Bryan is a one of a kind. Like, he's a one of a kind guy. Like, I, I don't see who is Gargano's. Like, I love Gargano. I don't think he's ever going to get the moment that Bryan did. Like, Bryan is still just like. You're a I, I don't lot. know. I love Daniel Bryan so much. I, I can't. I can't even think about that. We'll see. We're mm-hmm. years away from that ever coming to fruition. Sure. So. Yeah. I, I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. But I'm um, I'm out on that. I'm always dubious of guys of like Adam Cole is the next Shawn Michaels. Maybe. No. Shawn Michaels is also the greatest professional wrestler of all time. So mm. the chances of Adam Cole getting to that point, not great. That doesn't mean Adam Cole is not amazing. It just means when you set the bar this high where it's like he's the next Daniel Bryan, he's the next CM Punk, he's the next Shawn Michaels. It's like, well... That's not fair because those guys don't come around very often and they're really hard to replicate. And Shawn Michaels was really awesome for a really long time. And I love Shawn Michaels and his stuff was great. And Adam Cole is nowhere close to the worker that Shawn Michaels is. He's got the overness. He's got the attitude that all works, but um, he's still got a lot to do in ring. Cause Shawn Michaels was just an in ring assassin and he was just incredible with his in ring psychology and everything else. Like Shawn Michaels was the guy. But maybe Adam Cole can get there. Maybe. But I don't think it's fair to just say he's the next Shawn Michaels because I'm just like, most people aren't. And we've heard that before. Like, it's just going to be hard. Um, I feel great about my take that I wrote a month and a half ago that Kona Reeves is the next Vince guy that's going to get a gigantic push. That's coming, by the way. Mm. The finest Kona Reeves. No. That's happening. I don't want it. I don't know if you've been watching NXT this past couple weeks, but um, he's, uh, he's there. He's on the horizon. Yeah. He's getting built up. Kona Reeves, NXT champion. That's coming. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead and accept that. That's that's on the horizon. What happened to Tino Sabatelli? Is he hurt? Is him or Riddick Moss hurt? I don't know. I haven't seen them in a while. Nope. Yeah. I mean, yeah. TM61, though, the mighty now. They're working great heel work and everything else. But um, Matt Riddle apparently is in talks to appear, not only in the crowd, which is becoming a cliche at this point but um inserted into the triple threat match because alistair black can't compete because of his groin injury oh yeah it might be like that holy cow yeah like riddle might be inserted into the match of like this the surprise entrant that's That's how they debut that's would you do that i think that's exciting they've never done anything like that so uh, yeah sure why not especially in nxt that's where you that's where you try stuff like that out and then you have Keith Lee come in and destroy him after. They have, we already know how they work. We've watched them in PWG and everything else. Let's get a Keith Lee, Matt Riddle uh, feud to start off NXT. I'm down. I'm so okay with that. Mm-hmm. It sucks that Alistair Black's hurt. Um, 
it feels like it's this is just I, I wonder if this is it right because he's not gonna get the nxt title back is this just the way this ends for him in nxt does he get yeah. a fall call up kind of reminds me a little bit of uh drew yeah not he's good. ready he's ready alistair's entire character is developed everything's ready are you worried though not even a little on bit on the main roster for him no no okay. no because the the i feel like creative is so lazy that mm-hmm. to get a character like that, they just they would salivate over that. Mm-hmm. Like the, they've they've the nailed entrance, it with Andrade uh, and Almas. Yes, like it really is. What a what a win there. Yeah, his three matches he's been called up. Yeah, sanity. Eh. Oh, perfect. They've done. I'm being very facetious right now. Thank you. Yeah, they're not. Uh, I don't. I'm I'm a little concerned if he goes to SmackDown especially. Because SmackDown is a show that I do enjoy, mm-hmm. but it's a show where like guys just randomly appear. Our truth had a match this week. When do we ever see our truth on television? It's just a very random show sometimes. And I I understand it's a two hour program and it's a stacked roster right now, but I don't really like that you never really know who's appearing. Like AJ just might not be there for a month. I love like that. You. Okay. I love that because AJ should be wrestling every week. Why? I, I mean, I, why he's in his early forties? I want every AJ Styles match. I can get no, done. you can't do that to the champion though. You can't have I, the champion wrestle every week. Come on, every week. Come or a on. Promo. At the very least, he should be appearing every. He week. does pretty much. No, he does not. Yes, he does. He's missed a lot of SmackDowns. If you go back through it, like he's missed a lot of SmackDowns this year. I'm telling you, AJ has not been around that much. Um, but I love AJ. When do you think he drops the belt? Because I think he might hold it till WrestleMania. I might keep it on him for like another year. I I wouldn't until be... he moved to Fox. What if they kept it on until he moved to Fox and he dropped it on the opening episode on once they made that it would be October. pretty cool. Um, I think that they want to get rid of Punk Streak, don't they? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, Lesnar already did that though, right? Yeah, but that's the Universal Title. I think they want to do that's it with true. the WWE Title too to make it official. So maybe that's what they do with Styles. Maybe. I like it. I mean, Styles, like... They, they usually want to do that as fast as possible. Yeah, I mean, we know that Samoa Joe is not going to be the guy to beat him down. Even though Samoa Joe, unbelievable promo guy. His promo last week... like It was so... It's amazing how good his stuff is. And then you, like, listen to, like, Sami Zayn, who I very much love as well. Like, him talking about Bobby Lashley's family and everything else. And you're like, oh... That's an example of this not working. Yeah. And then you same, watch same Joe story. and you're like, oh, this is incredible. Yeah. Well, it was different motivations, different, yeah. you know, factors in there. Right. But like even AJ's promo this week was God awful, yeah. but I liked it. I liked it for one reason <laughs> Yeah, is because he sounded exactly like a person who was really upset would sound when they're trying to talk trash. That's fair. Do you know what I mean? Like when you're, when, when, if one of your friends all of a sudden decided to talk shit to you and all of a sudden just started piping off at the mouth about just your personal life and whatever, mm-hmm. they, they, they made the conscious effort to do that. So they're able to talk reasonably calmly, even though they're saying sometimes, you know, possibly some, some terrible things, but then your response, because you're caught off guard is you reacting with emotion. You're angry. You're trying to fire back. You're trying to say, get your jabs in too. But at the same time too, you're taken so off guard by the attack and by 
the hostility and everything involving it that you kind of sound stupid because you're going to be like stuttering and you're just going to be so angry that you're, you know, you're, you're not going to make sense a lot of times that that's what I liked about it is it felt like it was one of those type of reactions. Um, SmackDown has made these personals or these feuds feel personal. They've made them feel like these guys truly dislike one another. The the same thing is going on with the Miz Daniel Bryan feud that has that's been, been great too. I'm uh, glad they have not dropped the ball there. Yeah, they have I've not. been waiting for this feud all year, and it's delivered. It should go on last, by the way. They're not going to do it, but Bryan and the Miz should close SummerSlam this year. Yeah. I'm with you. It's going to be Roman Reigns, and I just I can't believe they're going to do it in Brooklyn. It's such a dumb idea, but it should be the Miz, Brian. I wonder how many people, tell, you know, because like, all right, like my wife and I are a perfect example. Uh, mm-hmm. I know better than to tell my wife that she needs to clean up the counter of her stuff in the bathroom. Okay. I know better because I know when I do it, she's going to yell at me about right. it. It's never going to go the way I plan. If I come at her aggressively, she's going to attack me and her mm-hmm. counter attack is going to be more aggressive than my initial attack. <laughs> if I come peacefully waving the white flag, she is still going to attack. If mm-hmm. I try to send her a memo, she will attack me. And okay. if I try to get somebody else to tell her that she would attack them and then have them attack me. So no matter what, I know what the end result there is going to Not be good for you. Right. So I come up with creative ways to like try to influence her, even though I know that most likely it's going to end up with me being attacked or unsuccessful at the very least, at at the very best unsuccessful is what, what I'm going to come up. So I feel like that's people dealing with Vince. And I feel Uh, that there are people uh, that have told Vince several times about this. And I think Vince is just adamant about his desire to do it. I think people now are just worn out telling him because it just seems to be like one of those things that they're going to do no matter what. And the only person in WWE I know that does whatever, no matter what is Vince McMahon. He, he's just bad at his job. He's just bad at reading the room. He's bad at understanding things like the fact that he um, was still booking Bobby Lashley versus Roman Reigns as like a compelling feud in 2018. Hey, like, it made me like Bobby Lashley. Did it? Not Elias doing everything he can to get Bobby Lashley over and make him a likable human being. No. That was all lies, by the way. Shout out to Elias, who's Elias still super good. over. He does his job. He gets 15 minutes to just monologue on Raw's. Like, he's the only consistent thing outside of Seth Rollins who is genuine and likable. Yeah. Um, out- yeah. He's good. I agree with that. Elias, they have to do something with him soon, man. I- I'm kind of concerned because, like, how many more weeks can they do of him just. Um, getting interrupted and having a match. I mean, they added the documentary people now and all that kind of stuff. But um, forever, he had the brief run forever uh, with Seth Rollins, and he lost. And he's kind of um, just existing, but he's too good. Elias is too good at his job to not get a title run. And um, uh, you're not going to believe this, Derek, but uh, I think a Elias Intercontinental title run be more compelling than a Dolph Ziggler title run in 2018. Yeah. I actually would believe that. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> that's that's where I'm at. And uh, mm. Seth Rollins as universal champion. That's another thing that uh, I think should have happened a long time ago because fans actually like Seth Rollins. It's weird because, like, I don't get the purpose of Dolph and Drew doing this when 
you know, if you wanted to make them a formidable team for the time being, I would feel like the way to go about it first would be them as tag team champions. They have nothing going on with tag team champions. The B team is a joke. Their song, their new song that debuted this week is Uh, a joke. The entire tag team division is a joke. So, I mean, I would. It might be over next week because they have the title match, right? Isn't it a triple threat tag title match on Raw next week? Yeah. Revival's in it. So maybe the Revival gets it and we move on from this monstrosity and we get the Revival versus Authors of Pain this fall. Maybe that's what we're going to. But yeah, I'm right there with you that it's got to stop and. uh, the the leaders of worlds or whatever they got to go and uh the b team it's just uh it's not it's not good and they're not good you know what has made me life like dolph is his friendship with the miz on miz and mrs okay <laughs> he is such That's... a great friend yeah he, he he got certified in infant cpr for the miz like shout out to him what you know that Dolph is never going to need infant CPR because he is hey, never hey. going to claim any child that he has is his. Yeah. Right. And uh, he's not going to, he's not going to, sure? he's not going to save a stranger's child. You know that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Would he, I feel like Ziggler would be the guy to name his son heel. Mm. I feel like heel Nemeth. He, he would call him sunshine is okay. what I feel like. Hmm. Sunshine okay. Nemeth. <laughs> there you go. What a name. Um, good quarterback name, yeah. I feel like. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like we're gearing up towards. I mean, Drew's your guy, and I love Drew McIntyre. He I think is. We're gearing up to a fall universal title storyline between uh, McIntyre and Roman Reigns. I think that's what they're going for. Sure. That's what they're building up is that's going to be the main event for at least two pay per views is McIntyre versus Reigns. I don't care about that. I, I don't either, but but I yeah, I'm fine. Going. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I mean, uh, it should I, be uh, Kevin Owens or Seth Rollins, but uh, we're neither of those guys. And you know who it should not be? Derek Braun Strowman, because he's a dumb character. <laughs> Braun Strowman once scissor kicked Angela Lansbury. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, he's a 10 foot monster. Who slept with all of our wives, and he punched us all in the face, and we married? loved him for it. Okay, I, I, I I'm speaking. That. I'm speaking for all the married people. Gotcha. You know. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, last thing, and then we'll go. What did you make of the "We Want Ambrose" chance this week? Because that warmed my heart. I miss Dean Ambrose. I love Dean Ambrose. I think he's really good, and he's one of those rare baby faces like Seth Rollins and um, AJ Styles. And guys like that, where the fans actually universally like him and they want him back. It's, and they were hoping he was the surprise return for Seth Rollins to be his partner this week. And it was nice to see. Yeah. I'm glad that they want him and they miss him. I miss him. I always loved Dean. I always thought Dean was a quality uh, character. You know, I think that that's the one thing I like about wrestling. You could give me great matches all day long, and I'm still going to be bored by it if they're not interesting characters because it's WWE. And at the end of the day, that's what we want is we want them to be, you know, WWE characters versus, you know, caring as much about them being, you know, indie wrestling stars the way that we do in other capacities. I just think that um, really what it comes down to is the fact that uh, I... Derek, it's okay. I don't I don't know, man. 
Oh my god, has pro wrestling killed you? Yeah, it pretty much has. Okay, I'm sorry. I mean, you have it next to it's good. Adam Cole's really good. Ricochet's really good. Velveteen Dream's really good. Champa's fantastic. Johnny Gargano's a dumb character. Um, oh, I think that's I the think thing is, good. is there's plenty of things for you to watch if if you're not a fan. Two or five live main events are good. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe that's still on its own show. Um, that should not exist anymore. But um, Dana Matheson, shout out to her, the best two or five live recapper yes yes um, well going going back i'm sorry going back what i was saying though about dean ambrose is that that i think that at the end of the day my hope is that wwe knows what they're doing and that they did that on purpose okay well no they 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 do not let me go ahead and dip that one in the bud and that was a surprise for them that's that's the thing that well because i don't know i don't know there was the whole thing with them doing the shield reunion type thing with with roman stepping up to to be his partner earlier on i think that's what they wanted though i think they wanted the fans to chant like we want roman even though he got denied the opportunity (sighs) to be his partner i think that's what they i don't know though because they made it they made it super clear that he wasn't allowed to go out there and be his partner you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like so it felt like they only had one option and one way to go and I, i don't know like you said probably not they probably had no plan on doing that but there's a part of me that like at the very least hopes there's a reason that they're doing it. And that's because they know Dean is close to coming back. So they wanted that kind of reaction. They wanted people to want Dean so that when he comes back, it's, it fulfills that desire to see him, you know? And I, I don't know, man, I just, I, that's where I got really sad depressed there because as I was even thinking about saying it, all I could think was they're not going to do that. And it's not really what's going on. I have no idea how much time is left on e- Dean's injury. And I don't know when we're going to see him. Now. I think he's healthy. I think he's ready to go. I, I hope so. It's been a long time. You know? Yeah. Long it's enough, long back. enough to forget about him, but long enough, not for the fans to forget about him in this kind of scenario, which, and if we can cut Mojo Raleigh segments, from Monday Night Raw because Dean's back. Let's, I'm all for it. We have three hours. We have three hours. Razor had a match against um, Titus O'Neil this week. And he and talked on the mic again. So, is Titus the worst wrestler in the company by far? No. I feel like he is, right? No. No? No. It's got to be Dana Brooke, right? Oh, and also in Titus Worldwide, Dana Brooke. It's... Um, I have it's a, a company. It's a company thing. Except Apollo Cruz. That's why Apollo Cruz was so know. bad this week. Like Titus was so bad. He's a terrible for professional wrestler. I, for one, am glad that they have matches like this, so I can go like cook dinner and do stuff. And you can just fast forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. And yeah, I mean, I honestly, I that's why the thing, the, the things for me that I watch, I feel like on Raw are good. It's bad and it's good and whatever, but I don't really hate it as much as I would, like you said earlier, if I was a live viewer watching every minute of it and expecting every minute of it to be good. They really just phone it in with over a third of that show smackdown yep. phones it in for a quarter of their show you know but because it's such a small percentage of the show and because the rest of it's good and they can kind of pepper in the 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 nonsense in there you know have a lana match here or there you know have other stuff back to back weeks which bold move right bold bold move and she's switching up her dance routine and she comes out not sticking with the same one i don't know what's mm-hmm. going on there she's a rebel is naomi hurt I feel like she hasn't been on SmackDown. No, that's a, the, yeah, not since uh, she got involved with like the the dance competition. Was that the last time we saw? I was, I was thinking of when the Usos were with fighting with the Bludgeon Brothers. 
Okay, so that was at least a month and a half ago. Rowan Bludgeon and Harper Bludgeon. By the way, shout out to the main event of SmackDown this week of Great. Day versus The Bar. That's one thing that SmackDown does a better job of, of just switching up their show so it doesn't feel like it's always the AJ Styles show. Right? Yeah. Rarely does it feel like it's always all about AJ Styles. Yet on Raw, 75% of Raws feel like Roman Reigns is the main story on a Raw. You know, so SmackDown does a better job, especially when they have something like this, a match that has some sort of consequence. It has some sort of, uh, you know, uh, relevance that, that they make it the main event and they hype it up the way they have. This little tag tournament was brilliant. It worked really well and it made this match especially meaningful. So I you know, it just need to end with the New Day winning the titles back because the Bludgeon Brothers are also awful the so new need to move on the new day is so great right now yes, they're they so great in every aspect and we know biggie's not getting the singles title run like i that story i remember when i saw that on cage side like a month and a half ago and my eyes rolled back into my head because we got on this road guess what like road dog michael hayes smackdown are you kidding it's not happening mm. biggie was not getting a push mm. that was never happening mm. i love biggie I love Kofi Kingston. I love Xavier Woods. Guess what? They're not getting a world title run. Ever. It's never happening. It's insane. This is the best case scenario. When it happens, that they get- when that happens will you eat your hat? I mean, I'll eat it happily because I think Big E deserves it. He's so freaking good. And also, Caitlin was backstage this week, so um, maybe she'll be back soon. That, that'd be cool. Eight, I miss Caitlin. Oh, she was great. I was a Caitlin guy eight, back in the day. Chase Thomas mm. right. says he will eat his hat. How big of a hat are we talking here? Like baseball the cap. Christmas? No, just oh, baseball so not like the cap. Yeah, no, 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 like no. The cripes hat. No, right? just, but yeah, it's got to be a wool cap. It's got to be a mm. wool big <laughs> A wool cap? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's really specific. Uh, just, Why wool? Just because it's, it's a harder it's substance. Nastier? Yeah, no, I'm not getting, yeah. I'm not letting you get away with one of those like, uh, like laid back dad hats, you know, that's like, right. out like khaki. Yeah, no, you're not uh, getting, that I, I want, can't boil. Right, yeah, and, no. Yeah. Jesus. Put some chili on it. Uh, snarf it down. If yeah. big E <laughs> wins. Champion. Is this ever or in the next year? Uh, I feel like you said ever. I, I did oh, say ever. I, I backed myself into a corner there. Let's say this is an ex has no expiration dates. Ever. Yeah. So I need Vince to stay alive for a long time because he'll put the kibosh on this yep. for as long as possible because Vince is actually bad at his job and is never going to be like, yeah, let's give Big E a world title run. Yeah, it's not happening. Yeah, right. Well, he's we'll not see. signing off on it. We'll it's see. wrong. We'll see. It's a dumb decision. But then again, like, it's really he good. was NXT champion um, uh, seven years ago. And NXT champion, especially during that time, does not count. Yeah, sure. That is, that is not a thing. Sure. Bo Dallas was NXT champion, by the way. I know. Don't break pretend- <laughs> no. uh, anyway. Montilla. Oh, actually, you know, let's end on a positive note. Very, 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 very quickly. All in. What are you feeling about now that we know more about the card right now? I think that it's a, you know, it's it's going to be fine. a fine card. I think it's going to be, it's not living up to what everybody thought it was going to be, but I don't know what everybody thought it was going to be. I CM feel like, Punk. <laughs> I, I guess, I, I never fell into that, I never fell into that trap or that illusion that that was going to happen. I just always knew in a way it was going to be, uh, you know, a, a hybrid New Japan slash ring of honor card just like we see all the time in vegas and everything like that i think that it's important that it 
had the attention that it had. And I think it's important that it sold out the way that it did. I'm just worried that the general fan reception to it is already souring before the show's even taken place. And I'm worried that people are going to be disappointed because they got their hopes up entirely too high. Really what it is, is it's a giant celebration of this feat that the young bucks and Cody Rhodes was able to do. And there's some people that think that it wasn't even them on their own able to do it. But I, I tend to think it's the fact that they were able to get the attention and sell the tickets that they were. And then everybody else kind of, attach themselves to this project versus it being, you know, people doing it in the shadows and then coming out later at a later time. Uh, it's an interesting debate in a way that people look at it though. I'm just proud of what they were able to do. These guys are guys that are literally do it yourself guys in, in pro wrestling. They, they struck a deal with like hot topic on their own that opened the door for all sorts of other guys to get there you know, foot in the door and get their merch at new at hot topic. And, and they have pops now and all of that stuff, you know? So like, I, I think it's amazing what they were able to do. And if I didn't have a bachelor party in Austin, Texas, I would probably be there supporting them myself. Uh, I, I think that the card, since I'm not going, the card does make me a little happy that it's not better than I thought it was going to be because I have no regrets about missing that show. There's nothing there that I'm missing that I feel like is going to be, uh, you know, life altering or that I'm really missing out on other than, you know, overall it's a really cool show and it's a cool idea. I, I, I I'm doubtful that it's going to happen again. You know, I think that this was kind of a one shot deal. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they could somehow roll it into an annual thing that happens. It's just hard to compete with Bola and other stuff going on. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do when it comes to if they do it for multiple years. I think it'll be a fine show, and I think people have a good time. I think StarCast will be the carny, you know, WrestleCon type event that it it's shaping up to be, and there'll be a lot of people having a good time. I think it's very WrestleMania weekend-esque, and that part about it I like. You know, I think it's fun to yeah. go into town and have multiple wrestling events and shows and things to do. And I think for the fact that you're going to an area that isn't it's kind of out there in the middle of nowhere, they're giving yeah. people a lot of a lot of stuff to do so that they don't have to, you know, figure out what to do with their time the rest of the time. You know, it's not like it's close to Chicago or anything major. So, um, you know, I, I think they did a good job at turning it into like an extravaganza and not just a pro wrestling show. I'm a little concerned that I won't be there, so I don't know how StarCast is going to go without the Chase Ums podcast set up. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. How will they I mean, ever we'll go what on? Happens. I, I, I don't know. I, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't know. Speaking of, by the way, I was going to say, I was going to end this on a positive note, but uh, right before we started recording, seeing that um, Colt Cabana is suing CM Punk for $1.2 So sad. Um, I, that really bummed me out. It does. Yeah. That, it, it that's really it. Sucks. It does. And it's like, what sucks is, is that a part of me isn't surprised that CM Punk did that. And I'm totally understanding of why Colt's suing him. I I would do the exact same thing, unfortunately. Seems like it's available. Like he has the text of just like Punk saying, yeah, I got you. And then not. I I don't don't know. We don't know. We don't know anything about any of this, but um yeah that was just a bummer i also think that if i came on your show and said a bunch Mm -hmm. of blasphemous things that got you sued right i i think i would just in general 
not just not just a friendship thing between you and I. I feel like in general I would be liable for you and and any law suit that you got put into because of me. You know what I mean? Like it's crazy to me in a way that Colt Cabana got into trouble for things that CM Punk said on his show. You know, other than I guess you you're you're taking into consideration there that Colt Cabana shouldn't have aired that show based on the stuff CM Punk said. I don't know. Also, how do you know? Like, how do you vet that when it's your own show and everything else where you're like, is there a strong possibility I'm going to get sued for this? Like, I'm sure it was tough because at one hand, like, you know that everybody wants to hear punk open up. Yep. um, Just being really vulnerable like that because he and Colt were lifelong friends and all that kind of stuff. Like, there are so many different variables in play there that um, I just feel bad. It's heartbreaking. It it sucks. It really does. But, um, it's well, it's the business, man. It's the business. Well, unfortunately. I failed in ending this on a positive note. Um, yeah, what happened? Uh, it was, I, I failed. Yeah. Is there any good news, Derek? Uh, well, Braun Strowman. No, that's not good news. Has the money? In- Kevin Owens. I, I know what we can do. Kevin Owens is should be winning the opener at SummerSlam because Kevin Owens is good at his job, a very good professional wrestler, and very. Very, very good. And so good that I might say that he is uh, better than Braun Strowman, who is a very dumb television character. We once had a bachelor party for Braun. (laughs) He ate the entire cake before we could Mm -hmm. tell him there was a stripper inside of it. Did you remember that time he ran after the Money in the Bank briefcase, even though like that's not how that works and you don't actually need the physical copy to cash in your briefcase because you won the match and the company knows that you won the match, so you don't actually have to hold it to cash in. Like you just th- There's not only one copy. It's not like a Mac from Always Sending in Philadelphia situation where if he like eats the contract, D only made one, so it's null and void. There's, there's multiple copies, and uh, you don't actually need to chase after Kevin Owens for it. I mean, do you want to tell him that? Because I, I, I dare mean, you. To. I, I would love to. I would I love to tell the writing to. team that. I, I want to tell the writing team of like, oh. do you understand what you're doing? He's a big dumb ox, you know. His He's a dumb guy. His, his favorite dumb, movie. His, is dumb. his favorite movie is the boy in the plastic bubble, starring John Travolta. You know, but then you have this t- fact that he would like put a white tie and tails and walk his pet cobra through the park on a leash, right? And he names the cobra Beverly, and uh, he taught it how to fetch. And like dial a phone. This, I don't know what's happening here. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, but there Is was a time. Thing? Basically, his snake bit the maid, and so with tears in his eyes, Braun had to shoot his maid. To Braun, are we getting sued? I don't know. I'm trying to end it on a positive note here. So yeah, that's a great positive note, by the way. I appreciate fantastic. Yeah, you having me on this show just to tell me <laughs> how bad all the guys that I like are. Chase, thank you so much. It was a fun no time. Problem. <laughs> You know, you can always count on me, man. I, I feel like, if nothing else, you know what you're getting when you come on this podcast. Yeah. 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 Getting beloved. Well, now you know. Like, you, I'll give you a month off or something to regroup, <laughs> um, to refresh yourself, all that kind of stuff. But, um, Derek, See, you can I'll be busy next time. Yeah, you'll be busy. There you go. And I'll understand because I'm like, oh, I don't want to. Uh, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, it's fine. Um, we can find you on Twitter at cap underscore caveman. We can listen to you on the Steel Cage Podcast, the best wrestling podcast that's not including my own or RBR Wrestling or other podcasts, but it's a very good podcast that I listen to every week. Um, and read 
Derek's great work at ArizonaSports.com, where he covers a very bad Arizona Diamondbacks team that is not going to make the playoffs because first placed, first mm-hmm. placed NL NL West team, the Arizona Allegedly. Diamondbacks. Allegedly, the numbers are still out. Mm-hmm. I'm still, yeah, the mm-hmm. jury's still out on science, Derek. You know this. I'm a science guy. I'm a science guy. Thanks for having me on just to belittle me once again. I appreciate it. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I uh, just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often and also follow me on Twitter at chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. Uh, thank you for your support and we'll be back on another episode very soon. Thanks guys. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.